You are now listening to an all new episode of The Last Men Potting. I am your host, Ahmad. Here are my co host, Steve, and together we make The Last Men Potting. Steve, how the fuck you doing this week? You know, I was a little irritated at work. It's like we got to have this fucking meeting every time we do our shit. And these motherfuckers want to talk about, hey, let's do like at the end of the meeting, this motherfucker get in front of everybody, talk about, hey, let's get a cheer for the Eagles. Let's get a cheer for the Phillies. I'm like, you don't get your bitch ass out of the fucking way so we can end this meeting so I can do my work so I can take my ass home. What the fuck? We sit in a circle talking about E-A-G-L-E-S. Get the fuck out of here with this dumb shit. What the fuck do I look like? Why don't you enjoy the simple joys of life, Steve? Like, yeah, nigga, I'm trying to fucking... I don't know what them other niggas go to work for. I go to work to hit my lick and take my ass the fuck home. I'm not trying to come here and cheer with you niggas. Talk about E-L-G-L-E-S. Like, the fuck? You know what, though? The Phillies are doing well. I don't want to say this and offend anybody, but I remember back in 2018 when the, the Eagles won and them niggas tore up the fucking city. So there's a part of me that's just like... I don't know if I want these niggas to win and have these niggas tear up the city again. <laughs> so like, well, 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 that was the first time, like in life. So I feel like the second time you 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 kind of bury Sanders it. You act like you've been there before, and you you know you look to cities that have won a championship, and you say, "All right, like they don't tear like you know New England is still intact. They've been winning they've been winning championships for years." New England is a different animal. What Trump say? Bad things happen in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> we just have bad people here, man. I don't know why they call it the city brotherly love. Yeah, no, there's there's no brotherly love. There's no brotherly love there, here. There hasn't been brotherly love there forever. <laughs> but you, you know what, too, man? I, I listen to a lot of uh, shit on the box line, and I found this nigga named Saunders this week. Uh, what, what's his name? Apparently, he's Brent Fias or something. Yeah, like I guess Brent Fires is one of these guys with an alter ego or some shit. Like yeah. he, he has, he has a bunch of shit under the Sonder name, and it is uh, hard. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it like like he has some fire shit, and you know what? We we started working on our end of the year episode this week, and Brent Fires may or may not be in the most disappointing albums of the year. We'll we'll, we'll see. That remains to be seen, but his old shit is kind of unimpeachable. Like all, like all of the shit that like led up to Crew when like he actually got famous, like all that underground shit that he was um, singing when he was just like a little dirty nigga, you know, fucking bitches in the hood. Like yeah, yeah that, all, all that shit was classic. Yeah, to get at that man like that, talking about dirty nigga in the hood, fucking nigga. Do you listen to the songs? Like that's that's what he was like, was like, like gang over love and shit like that. Like if that's not dirty hood nigga yeah. shit, I don't know what is. Like, yeah, like, like if you ain't nasty, don't at me. Like that's yeah. not how a gentleman talks. That's a dirty yeah. hood nigga. Shout, shout out to Brent though. I, I fuck with that shit. Like, like, see, you, that's you assuming that dirty hood nigga is bad. Like, see, but no, like in this I, sense, I, dirty hood nigga is a compliment. And that's why I tell you every week. Like, this is like I'm not insulting these niggas. Like, this is just you know. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you say so, but um, hold on, because I thought my phone was next to me and it's not. Hang on one second. So you millennials can't operate without no fucking fold, huh? Well, yeah, I have my notes for the podcast on it. Yeah, I don't take notes. It's all freestyle. I'm off the dome with it. It's like somebody has to come to this motherfucker prepared. Like, yeah, yo, what Puffy say? Don't worry if I write robs. I write checks. 
Well, where's my check? I'm, I'm waiting for a check. Like, I, I've been putting in like 80 hour weeks. I want a fucking check. Like you talk about everybody gets a jewel at the beginning of the show. Like how about everybody gets a check? Like where's my check? Yeah, oh shit, you get your check from the people. Oh, you're extra people. Yeah, like, it's like since I'm talking to me like I'm one of your bitches, like <laughs> get the fuck out of here. So yeah, like you know, this whole Brent Fires conversation got sparked because he, Steve had just discovered like the Sonder catalog, and he sent me a song called "Searching," which is a dope song. You know, check it out if you people haven't checked it out. But it had a Jamie Foxx sample on it for I think it's um, from "Can I Take You Home" off of his uh, Unpredictable album, which is actually his second album like people don't know jamie fox dropped the album in the 90s but uh that second album that unpredictable album in my opinion is a classic and we have a new segment that we wanted to do called give them their flowers while they're still breathing and i think jamie fox is one of those people like even though he's an oscar winner and all of that i don't think he gets the recognition that he should for his his contribution to music because like that first album I was listening to it this morning. There's no skips on it. It's it's 15 tracks of heat. You know, Mary J. Blige, Snoop Dogg, The Game, you name it. Like all these people are on it. He's on there. Um, you know, singing his heart out. Like the sample selection is is dope. The hooks are dope. The production is in a sense, kind of timeless because the shit is still getting sampled, you know, almost 20 years later. And, uh, you know, you never hear anybody talk about Jamie Foxx's music career any any anymore. I, I think it's because he went pop with that blame it on the alcohol and probably just made a kajillion dollars and, you know, just decided to go back to doing movies and shit like that. And yeah, his, his last album came out in 2015, and he's been pretty silent on the musical side since. But, like, Jamie Foxx might need to come back and, and, and drop some shit. I don't know if he's still going to have, you know, the fire. You know, the, like, going back to that first album this week and just seeing how, like, that sound is what the sound is now. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can say Timberland and Genuine and Missy Elliott and all that ushered it in, but... Like I think that Jamie Foxx album like definitely had an impact on a lot of the R&B dudes that are out here now. You know, it's funny because you talk about the blame it, but the, the second album is also really good and it still has hits and it still has the balance of, you talk about the hits in the B-side because like that balance has been kind of lost, not even just in hip hop. I think, you know, certain aspects of, uh, you know, uh, I don't even want to say R&B because all these people are not really making clear classical R&B, but, you know, he, he's done, he did a good job on both of those albums to make it some be good B-sides, you know, some maybe making music and, you know, the little hits that he's given out, too. Yeah, and and if anything, when Diddy was saying R&B is dead, like, that's the part of the conversation. I, I know Usher told us to keep it in the comment section, <laughs> but, but um, like, that's the part of the conversation where you can say, all right, I can see what you're saying, because Half of these R&B niggas are are rappers now. Yeah. Like, 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 like Brent Fires is half a rapper on his shit, like with the shit that he talks about. The weekend before he went pop, his shit was like very hip hop based, like the lyrics, you know, P and D's, same thing. Um, you know, you can name 10 other people where it's the same thing to, to the point where you have hybrids 
like Bryson Tiller, you know, like not really a good rapper and not really a good singer either, but he's good enough at both to have a career. <laughs> yeah, like like that Jamie Foxx style where he talked about it like in interviews where, you know, when he did slow jams with Kanye, he was coming to it from like that old school ballad style of R&B and Kanye had to show him how to, you know, you know, like lace the track a little bit, like, you know, to make some smooth shit. And he kind of took that and ran with it. And that like that, we need a little bit of that back in, in mainstream R&B because like, you still got guys like Jerome Thomas and Daniel Caesar and, you know, all these other people out here that can still sing and are, you know, doing so over dope instrumentation. But uh, like, I, I wouldn't be mad if we had somebody in the mainstream doing the Jamie Foxx thing. I, I guess that's what Sir is now. So Sir yeah. might be the last person like ho- holding on to that uh that torch. Yeah, you know, sidebar, I was listening to uh Drake take care of the other day, the cameras and the good ones go. I gotta give a weekend a shout out because I definitely hear his vocals on the background and shit. Drake, Drake had me down on that song. I didn't even sing his little heart out. Like, Don't you go getting married? Don't you go get engaged? Like that nigga was serious. Like yeah, Drake perfected the simping carol. Like he he knew exactly what it was. Like he, he knew it's like let me cater to women by being the biggest simp possible on wax. And it's worked to it's worked for him. Like, yeah, and cause that that's been historically, you know, what a lot of soul music was. It was, you know, crying and you know, please don't leave. Um J- Jodeci. You know, I I don't know what else to do, so I'll cry, yeah. shit like that. And, and Drake studied history, so he's like, all right, I gotta figure out how to be the biggest simp possible in the 2010 era if I really want to pop in this shit. And you know, that's how you get the good ones go. Yeah, I guess that's like how Mike Tyson said, "Yeah, I studied all the conquerors, you know, Alexander, like all of them." <laughs> <laughs> like, that's where Drake's like, "Yeah, I studied all the sucking niggas, like Jodeci." King Ahab, I say yeah. all of them. Yeah, because like like Drake did Marvin's room. Mar like Marvin Gaye has the biggest simping album of all time. <laughs> it's called Hear My Dear. Yeah. If you've never heard Hear My Dear, go on there and listen to Marvin Gaye sing it about um Better Little Girl. It's like it's the biggest simping carol you've ever heard. Like, 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 you know, Drake studied that shit. He's like, yo, I, I gotta put some uh some new millennium sauce on that so that these bitches know there's still a nigga out here that'll cry for you. So yeah. shout out to Drake. I studied all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got you gotta know your history. You gotta know where you've been to know where you're going. Uh, this nigga, he studied the uh the ancient sips and shit like that. <laughs> I studied King Tut, like I studied all of them. Yeah, it's like like you know who was the nigga that um you know he caused the war over the, over Helena Troy like you know you, <laughs> like historically like simps have uh, have shaped society so yeah. like, there's a lot to be learned from simps. Yeah, shout out to you suck ass niggas out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. Thank you for the knowledge and the wisdom that you have provided. <sighs> um, so switching gears from simps to uh the opposite of a simp fathers you know you know guys that take care of their children and all that good stuff so yeah we wanted to talk about this this week because uh you know little baby had did an interview where he he was talking about how he balances his career and fatherhood and we wanted to talk about the idea of like you know what is the duty of a father to a child 
And as two guys that don't have kids, like we can only talk talk about it from the perspective of, you know, we're grown men that have fathers. So th- this is what Lil Baby said about balancing uh, fatherhood and his career. Well, my oldest son, he feel like I'm already rich. So like, why you got to keep going to work? You yeah. know what I'm saying? But that's what I'm trying to tell him, like. It's definitely one. That's really like the only thing I battle with. Yeah. Yeah. Time. I'm saying like for my kids, like, okay, I want to be doing this so I can give my kids a better life. But I won't be doing this. We ain't going to be able to. So it's like a gift and the courage. It's like one or the other. And then it's like, I'd rather take the other. Like, I'd rather be gone and try to build a legacy than just be there and Go down and drain, communicate that with. So, what are your thoughts on that, Steve? Well, I always wonder about, like, <clears throat> you know, the planning aspect and, like, how do we create the infrastructure where it's like the, to have the most balance, you know, because you will hear somebody like a Dame Dash talked about, like, how there was a couple of business opportunities where he was just like, all right, like, you know, I got my daughter now. So, it's more important for me to be around to, like, do something as small as take my daughter to get an ice cream cone and an icy. So, you know, I, I think that that is the, the interesting aspect of like finding that balance where, you know, as if as in anything in life, but also too maybe the important uh, importance of, you know, your kid actually looking at like how the, you know, the pizza is made, so to speak, instead of like watching like, okay, my dad made a pizza. Well, you made all these other pizzas. I think why are you still making pizza? It's like, well, it doesn't work like that. It's like, you know, I got to put certain money up to get the dough and the sauce and all of that in the third. So it's like, you know, maybe even like as a kid, like understanding that, you know, the communication of watching like the day to day process, you know, like maybe that's something that could be helpful to in regards to the communication aspect. So. Well, I, I, I kind of look at it like, you know, where I'm at now, 30 years old, I don't have any kids. If I do have a kid at some point in the next couple of years, I don't see my life being less busy than it is now because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm already busy as hell. Like, and the goal is to get the podcast and a couple other businesses at a significant level where they're producing good life sustaining income. And that's going to take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. But if I have a kid, like, you know, I'd have to figure out a way to be around for the kid. But at the same time, like little baby said, like, yo, I gotta go hustle. Like I I gotta (laughs) hit these licks because, you know, we look at, at fathers, you know, the previous generation, a lot of them didn't do that. Like a lot of them either were not around at all or the ones that were around, they didn't really do anything to like set the next generation apart from themselves, like to, to set them up on a higher level. So I, I think like, that's the more important thing. Like the time out of my life that I lived with my dad, he was at his brokest. But when I lived with him, he was barely home because he was working all the time. He was starting his business. Like, you know, he was working like till late at night. He was coming home and still working. Like he had an air, like my dad fixes cars. He was, he had an air compressor in the garage, fixing cars all night long. Like I had to learn to fall asleep to the sound of the air compressor. Like to the point when sometimes when it wasn't on, it was too quiet in the house. So 
It's like, I, and I admired that. I was like, yeah, like, like I knew my dad didn't have a lot of money at that time, but I knew he wasn't a lazy nigga. And like, to me, that was more important to look up to somebody, you know, that was getting up and going to do something like, you know, my dad used to make me get up and go to work with him. So, um, yeah, like, I, I, I think that's really more so the duty of a parent to at least a father to a child. It's like, you know, you just got to set an example of what a man is supposed to be. And like, that's always going to look a little different for everybody because everybody's definition is a little different. But I like, in my opinion, like little baby doing the right thing, he out there grinding and hustling and like your kids might not appreciate it when they're young. But, you know, as I got older, I always appreciated that shit. I, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I look back and say, you know, I, I could say a lot of things that my dad didn't do right, but I could, I could always say it's like, he always got up and, and went to work and I know he tried to provide something for me. So, you know, the, 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 there's some other shit like the nurturing and the, like, oh, all that shit. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. I, I do think that that's an interesting, you know, aspect of it. It's like, you know, you know, showing your kids, you know, whether you're working for somebody or putting in a work for yourself, it's like, you can't just sit on your ass all day. Like <laughs> you have to make shit happen. You got to work hard. And like, this is, you know, how are you going to be able to, you know, make some money? This is, this is the economy, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you look at examples of entertainers um, like Denzel Washington, you know, his son, John David Washington is a successful actor down Hollywood in his own right, you know, starring in huge movies. And he was on Jimmy Kimmel one time and he said that his dad wasn't around a lot but he understood that his dad was working and his mom was around all of the time. And when his dad was around, like, you know, he soaked up the game and all of that shit that he could from his dad. And obviously his dad had a big enough influence on him to where he, but he chose the career, the same career choice. So like, I, I don't know if, if uh, the amount of time that you spend with someone is what's important as much as the quality of it. It's like the same thing you know, when you're talking about relationships with women, it's like, like, you know, does it, would a woman appreciate you more if you're around all of the time? Or if when you're around, like, you're actually present and providing some sort of value, like Bobby Womack said, you always complain about me never being around, but when I'm there, I'm broke. So which, like, you can't have both. Like, it, like, with all of this shit, whether it's fatherhood, or whether it's, you know, relationships and shit like that, like, like the motherfucker that's around you all of the time, like they don't have shit to do. And if a motherfucker don't have have a purpose, I'm a, like you about to start wasting my time. So it's like, yo, get the fuck out of here. Like if my dad was up in my face all the time, I'd be like, yo, nigga, like don't you got something to do? Don't you got somewhere to be? What's going on? Like, like yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not looking to have a dad like, like, uh, like James on Good Times, like, you know, <laughs> fucking just work, like working your ass off every day. Then you come home and you around. I'm like, nigga, we still in the projects. And after you died, the family was still in the projects. JJ was still a goofball. Michael was still a pussy. And who knows what was going on? Like, you know, what Winona was doing with that pussy in the streets. So it's like, it's it's better to just be a good example. See, I, I'm not going to let you bat off James Evans like that. Like, it, even though those were some weirdo kids, like, you never know how they turned out. Like, it might have been just the aspect of the values you know, because I think that's more important, like your value system and your confidence and how you feel about yourself. So 
you know, I think James set a relatively decent example. Like he wasn't a rich man, but you know, there's certain aspects of where some guys grind all the time and like, you know, his kids ain't shit. So like, you know, I don't think you could come down that hard of a man like that. He was trying to teach his family and provide for his family for the best way that he knew how based off of his knowledge base. Like, uh, what, what, what did Bernie Mac say? It's like that nigga was in there raising a punk. <laughs> like, <laughs> Michael was a pussy. Yeah, he's like, he's like, 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 no, like that nigga was not handling his business. Like his son walking around, grown man, talking about dynamite. Like, no, <laughs> no, no. Like you're you're not paying attention to the to the important things. Yeah. Like, like, no, bro. Like, like, I would rather have a dad like the dad in fences where you know he the, the son's like yo dad how come you don't like me he's like nigga it's not my responsibility to like you like and he's like why do you think you got a roof over your head why do you think you got food in your belly and all that shit you think it's because i like you and he's like yeah he's like no you dumb motherfuckers because i owe you a duty like i owe you a fucking service because i brought you into this world you didn't ask to be here so i owe you that like you know, the emotional shit, that all that shit is cool. But I think as human beings, we're like, you know, a lot of us are born with very flawed parents and shit like that. You have to figure it out for yourself at some point. Like your parents bring you into the world, but you you're the one that has to live in it. Like, so yeah, like you don't gotta be up under your kid all the time. You you better off going to get some paper and building wealth and building the legacy. Like well, I'm that's, you, that's my opinion. I'm not gonna let you get away with that. So you think the fences dad was a better dad than James Adams from Better Times? Yeah. <laughs> so you can say that with confidence like that. Just... Yeah, because because he he gave his son the truth. Like, like, <laughs> like he when his son asked him a fundamental question about life, he gave him a quality response that you can learn something. Like, I don't know what the fuck James Evans was doing. Like I said, when he died, his family was still nutty. So I'm like, like, where was, like, you didn't give no game. Like, like at the end of Fences, when the son didn't want to go to his dad's funeral and shit, the mom had to tell him like, yo, like, didn't this nigga do what he was supposed to do as a man? Like, yeah, he has some side pussy and all that. You see me still going to the funeral? Like, you know, sharpen up and l learn from the father that you had and stop being mad that he's the father that you wanted. Like, th that, 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 that's human beings' main problem. Like, desire is the killer of all joy. Like, when you start desiring for people to be different or for your circumstances to be different, you don't appreciate what you had. Like I, I would like you probably don't appreciate it at the moment. Like I didn't appreciate a lot of shit my dad did growing up, and but now that I'm older, I don't ex I don't expect him to be different than who he is, and I accept the past for what it is, and I just learn from it. And like shit, like I'm all right. The the shit that my dad lacked, somehow I ended up with strengths in those areas. Like, you know, the most high gave me that. So you don't have to worry about it. Uh, th that, that's right. how I look at it. So, yeah. Shout, shout out to the dad from Fences. Yeah, the guy that fucking physically beat the shit out of the son at the end of that movie. Like, 
Nigga, his, his son disrespected him. <laughs> his son tried to walk in the house past him, tried to yeah. dismiss him, tried to like getting in grown folks' business behind behind him having a side piece. And well, he, yeah, he, wrong, he had to check his son. It's like the, this yeah. grown man business. You don't yeah. you don't come in here, disrespect me, and start talking about how I'm handling mine. Like, yeah. nigga, like 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 your nuts ain't ain't dropped yet. You can't tell me how to handle mine. Yeah, like no, so, so so no. Like I I I wholeheartedly agree with what I said. Like he he was a solid dude because yeah. he his son could have learned some shit from him if if he wasn't you know so busy being a pussy. Like yeah. like it, it'd be so, a lot of niggas just be pussy. Like they dad be a little too thorough for him. Like like and like they didn't know how to handle having a dad like that like my dad used to call me a pussy so i was i was built to have a dad like that like that shit didn't didn't shake my confidence like like you can't tell me i'm not the shit and my dad used to talk down to me and shit all the time so like fuck it like so, like like i said the most high gave me what i needed and i had the parents that i needed to become who i was supposed to be like and you just have to find your way to to learn that Right. Yeah. So moral of the story is if you're ever upset about your son in a disagreement, just put the stone cold stunner on him and just beat him half to death. And, you know, everything is just fine from there. It, it, as you, and you know, that's not even what happened in the movie. <laughs> like, 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 all, all, like, like the son picked up a bat and started swinging it at him. What are you talking about? Like, like, he was a good man. Like, the, the, son, the son was the one that was out of order. It was not the father. Like the father was doing his thing. He was in the world. He was doing he was doing his thing and then the son tried to come and go past his station and start trying to chastise his dad and check his dad. And it's like you, you haven't lived long enough to to talk to me. You have like nigga like what the fuck you going to come in here to talk about what I'm doing with my bitch and like you don't you never even paid a bill? Whoa. You never even paid a bill in your life. Get get the fuck out since you're such a man. I like hell no. See, I could I, I respect, I, but at the same time, the evolution of learning from that to have the patience to be able to break things down, I think that's the important aspect of it. Not to come down hard on it. Like, I agree with you in the aspect of him trying and him maybe not understanding that through his life uh, lens of experience. But you kind of have to at the very least talk to people so they can understand the lesson of, and if they don't understand the lesson, then, you know, you got to add some pain to it. But people have to understand why they're going to hell off and, you know, why there's consequences to doing that. Yo, like I said, you can't, you can't make somebody be a teacher that they're not meant to be. Like he only knew how to teach his son in that move, in that play movie, whatever, in the way that he knew how to teach him. He knew how to teach his son on the gross level. He didn't know how to teach his son on the nurturing and, you know, like everything's going to be all right level. There's some parents that know how to do that. My my father didn't know how to do that. My dad knew how to, yo, get up out the bed, pussy, it's six o'clock. We got to go to work. Like that. that's how I got taught. So, you know, you asked me earlier, like, Ahmad, how come you be up at two o'clock in the morning? I'm like, yo, like, like, like my dad used to tell me he was mad because I was walking too slow. Like, so, so like when I get, when I get a goal or some shit that I want to get done, like the podcast or whatever, you know, I go after it. Like if I say I want to go do some shit, I go after, I get into it. I get into the weeds and I figure it out. Now my dad didn't sit down and tell me, this is how you go about building a business or this is how you go do, do all that shit. Cause 
my dad's a hood nigga. He'll tell you, like, he don't know how to do all that LLC shit and all that. But what I did learn from him was if you want something for yourself, you get up every day and you go get it. And like when I used to say, like, hey, it's five o'clock. Can we go home? He like, nigga, like, I don't get paid by the clock. He's like, I get paid when the job is done. Like, so we'll, we'll stay here till the job is done. Like, that's what I learned. Like, but he, 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 can't, he can't sit there to tell you the other shit. What Kobe say? Job not finished. Job finished. Yeah, like, <laughs> like yeah, job not finished. Like, like job that was the whole finished. shit in the movie. Like the nigga, like the the son kept walking past his duty, and the father's yeah. like, "Yo, you know you're supposed to be here to put the fence up, right?" Like, like shout out to August Wilson. Like that's what he's teaching you in that play. He's trying to teach you something about like you can't expect your parent or your circumstances to be different. And when you want your circumstances to be different, that's when all the trouble comes. Mm. Like, like, and you know, you can go on a whole nother tangent about the Troy character and his wife and what all of that means. But just the fatherhood part of it, like, no, like I, there was game to be learned from that. Of you course. just got to look at it the right way. <laughs> Do you think like a, a man's responsibility is to learn you know, the aspect of patience and the aspect of teaching before you would take that step. Like, okay, like, you know, let me have my bitch. Let me have my kids. Like, you know, like the, the, those certain steps that come before that, you know. That, that's I mean, just, that, that, that sounds good on paper, but that's right. not how life works. I like, get that. Like, like, you're never prepared for anything. I agree with like, that. Like, you're, it's never time to start the business. It's never time to get the chick pregnant. It's never time <laughs> to do anything. Like if you waited for the perfect time, you would never do shit. Like, like today, if you told me like, you know, a chick was pregnant, I'm not prepared for that. But the way it's, the way it's set up, I got nine months to get myself ready. And then, and then I got at least 18 years of trying to figure it out and make it, you know, you're going to make mistakes and shit the whole time anyway. So you're never going to get it right. Like, like in that going back to fences, it's a great example. <laughs> that, like Denzel's father in the movie was, was crazy. He had to leave the house when he was a kid because his dad was so bad. And, and his son, he's like, nigga, you got a house. I don't beat you. I don't, I'm not drunk. I don't, I'm not doing all this shit. And you complaining. And like, he provided a higher level for his kid than the level that he had. That's all the duty a father has to his kid, in my opinion. Like, provide a higher level. Like, yeah. now, where I'm at in life, if I have a kid, I already know I would be able to do shit different than my dad because I wouldn't call my kid a pussy. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, like, I, I would be able to... I I know how to teach my kid this, the same lessons that my dad taught me without calling him a pussy that's evolution that's growth like and 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 you know i'll fuck up a bunch of shit that my kid won't like and when he has a kid he'll do his shit different and then his kid will not like some shit and it'll just go on and on forever like that's how it's supposed to go but it's supposed to get better like recognize the bad shit and do a little bit better that's all so we, we wrapped up fatherhood and evolution all in what 10 15 minutes like all you niggas get some good game. You know, we Oprah out here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just universal laws. Like all of this shit is very easy to understand and to master. You just got to pay attention. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Well, how's it going? Learn from the master teacher. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what we're here to do. Sit down. <laughs>
pull up a seat. So in, in in the idea of, you know, listening to the words of elders or teachers and wiser people, people that have experienced a little bit more than you, um, we're going to go to Dame Dash here where he uh, he said something about money that on the timeline that I wanted to discuss. People that are broke will do anything to not be broke. They justify not being honorable to do it. It's just don't look the other way. Money is not real. It's not backed by gold. And as you see, they're creating currencies daily. So don't do anything for money. Do things for love. And then you'll be protected and you'll know what real wealth is. So we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, check out the YouTube page. We we have a video on true wealth um, featuring Kevin Gates, where we, we talked about this exact idea. Um, and I wanted to talk about it this time from the perspective of when he said that people justify doing things that aren't honorable to get money. And that that seems to be something that's like so pervasive in the culture now and in society really at large, like regardless of people's cultural background, it's you see a lot of people are just doing like the quickest thing possible to get money Um you know, and they don't think about the consequences of it. And a lot of times it's short-sighted. You know, we've talked about a lot of the 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 rappers and stuff like that are that are getting caught up in these Rico cases. And you know, the idea of how like true wealth got replaced with these constructs of money that we have, and we think that that's wealth. Is is just interesting. And you see like more and more people are starting to realize it's like we're just chasing vanity when like we're just trying to get a bunch of money. And it's like none of that ever really leads to any sort of happiness. So it's like, why would you, um, you know, bring dishonor to yourself just to get more more things and more debt paper and all of this type of shit. Like when he said they'll make new they'll make a new currency tomorrow. The richest person in the world will change in the coming weeks and all of that shit. Like, you know, somebody like Kanye West, one day you'll say that he's a billionaire. The next day you'll say that he's not worth anything, even though he hasn't lost any physical commodities. So what what do you think we have to do, Steve, to, you know, rediscover true wealth? I think people have to put themselves in difficult positions and try to persevere. Like, you know, the aspect of, you know, having genuine goals and, and you know, finding out how to get more tangible things. But, you know, you got to be a little bit uncomfortable to try to fucking figure out who you are. You know, we, we talked about, you know, me you know, being on the box lot all the time, but uh, I, I never forget, like, my very first job, you know, I, I hated it. And uh, the manager, whether, because uh, I was talking to my little brother about it, and whether the manager wanted to retain my services or not, well, he said, look, you know, if you quit this job, you're just going to wind up being a job hopper. And you're going to look, your resume is going to look like, oh, a couple months here, a couple months here. And the motherfucker was a prophet. Like, I look back, I look at my damn resume, I'm like, shit, <laughs> Where, where's the fucking consistency? Where's the coherence? Like, the, like I don't, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing that fucking makes sense here because I'm just doing shit, you know? But, you know, so it's like that aspect of taking, you know, the shortcut, you know, it, it brings me back to uh, uh episode of SpongeBob where uh Plankton versus Mr. Krabs. Plankton 
he like he crossed the street from Mr. Crab restaurant. He's like, damn, yo, like I'll be doing the same shit as Mr. Crab. I saw the same fucking recipe, all that shit. Like, you know, why can't I be Mr. Crab? So he decided to create a machine, you know, taking the shortcut to try to be Mr. Crab. And then he realized, like, oh shit, like it's hard as shit to be Mr. Crab because he had to deal with the shit that Mr. Crab was dealing with. Like, you know, Plankton used to always try to come in and steal his shit. So then, you know, as he he's being in a Mr. Krabs position, Mr. Krabs is doing the same shit to him. At the end of the episode, he called him and was like, yeah, you know, you got me today. I'll be back the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And Mr. And, and fucking Plankton goes crazy. Like, oh, I can't handle this shit. So it's like... <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a lot of times you try to take that shortcut to be the boss and then you realize like, oh, the value of like struggling and, and you know, learning from those steps. Like that's the quality of the, the mission. You know, those setbacks make you to have the wisdom to be the boss so you can be comfortable in that seat. Yeah, and I, I I think, you know, nowadays people have lost that and we don't have, whether it's, you know, the parents or there just aren't the teachers there to show you the way to, to do things the long way. It's like a lot of times, not, not even a lot of times, all of the time going the long way is going to be more beneficial because like you said, there are lessons to be learned. And if you decide to skip those lessons and you just want to, you know, everybody wants to get rich quick. Everybody wants to, to jump out and, you know, you know, the first episode of their show, their podcast, they want a million people to be listening to it. It's like, no, like you have to go through the growing pains. You have to, you know, do what we do, figure out how to produce, figure out what type of content you want to make, figure out, you know, who your audience is. And you might not know all of that on day one. And nowadays people just know that what the, uh, what they think they want in the end. So they do, they try to take the quickest route to get to the end. And then you get to the end and you, you have whatever it is, whether you think it's the money or the position or whatever it is that you had to do something to dishonor yourself or to take a shortcut to get to. And then you get there. And when it's not what it what you thought it was, you're like, fuck. Like you said, you're, you're, you're like Plankton. It's like, damn, like I got this nigga, this nigga across the street trying to take me out every day. I got this. I got that. I got the other. I'm not cut out for it where Mr. Krabs is cut out for it because he built the shit from the ground. Like, yeah. like, he, like he knew at every turn there was going to be something that made it more difficult. So when Plankton showed up, like, you know, trying to, trying to do it every day, it's like, it, that's fine. Like I, I, I'm, I'm built for Plankton. I've, I've been running into Plankton for the past 10 years. <laughs> like, 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 like you think you're just the current Plankton. Like it, that's, that's, that's all it is. Like, you yeah. know, like Plankton's come a dime a dozen. Like there's only one Mr. Krabs. So I think when people, you know, Sauce Walker has a bar where he said, you know, it's hard to, to uh, convince a G-Shock nigga that he's a Roly. It's hard to tell a Toyota bitch that she's a Rari. That, like, like that's so true. Like, you know, if you go take a shortcut, like getting ass shots, like if, like if you weren't born with the genetics to have a fat ass and you say, I'm going to go get ass shots, like you don't know the value in, you know, going in, going in the gym, doing the squats, learning how to build, you know, something that actually matches your physique. 
naturally would probably be a lot better and more attractive to people than going and just putting a bunch of silicone in your body because now people are looking at you like a sex object and right. now people are are reducing you to your body part instead of you know taking the whole package of you like if i see a chick with ass shots i kind of start like like there's a connotation that goes with that when you see a chick that is in really good shape that built up you know uh, you know, like the glutes and the legs and all that. I, I, I'm a fitness nigga. I, I'm attracted <laughs> to that shit because, like, I know the work that went into that. I know you didn't take a shortcut. The the, the chick with the ass shots, I kind of look at her like, man, that's a lazy bitch. Like, sure. like you know, she just wanted to. <laughs> she just wanted the the instant gratification. She just wanted niggas to. She wanted the attention from people immediately. She didn't want to do the work. So I kind of already know, like, that's probably the woman to avoid because she's a little bit too vain for me. Like, you know, she she wasn't good enough with the, you know, with the tits that she had. So she had to get some fake balloons put in or some shit like like that, that because that's all vanity. And I'm good on the vanity. Like, w- like we have to we have to move past that, like, you know, and start looking at the quality of a person and people mm-hmm. and us as individuals. We have to look at the quality of our actions. And if you wouldn't want your actions to be done to you, like like in that s- scenario, Plankton learned like. Yeah, damn, maybe like maybe he didn't learn that he should leave no, Mr. Krabs alone. But but it's like it's like that that's the lesson to be learned. It's like, damn, I'm bothering this motherfucker every day. And he he cut out for this shit and, and I'm not getting nowhere. And I keep and I keep I get up every day and then I'm back the next day, the next day. It's like, yeah, you're like you're just eating the iniquity sandwiches. Like yeah. you're like you're ne- like you're never gonna taste the the fruit. Like yeah. so you know, fall back, Plankton. Yeah. Well, I think like, you know, and that's kind of lost where we talk about like relationships and it's like, you know, is that bad out here? And it's like, you know, the instant gratification on both sides where it's like, you know, niggas is on some, you know, get this rotation and fuck all the bitches. And then, you know, I always feel too, it's like, like, you know, when you're talking to a woman, you genuinely treat a woman like whatever her level is at, you know, like if, if a bitch is dressed half naked, she's going to get treated a little bit different than the bitch does not have dressed half naked. That's just natural. It's like, Oh, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk to this person a little bit different because, you know, it's, it's like, you know, profession, like you're going to, you're going to treat a guy. Like I always realize it's like, you know, when I have a suit and a tie on, I get treated a lot different than, you know, there's been times where you like, Steve, no, you look like shit. And it's like, I feel that energy where it's like, I'm going out and the like, you know, he's looking at me like this fucking guy over here with his fucking sweatpants on. So <laughs> it's well, just... yeah, it's like Malcolm X said once in the 60s that if he met a man that didn't have a watch on, he didn't trust him because he All said, right. if he doesn't know what time it is, that means he doesn't care about wasting yours. And and like, you know, sometimes like you're like you said, your your appearance and like how you carry yourself, like your conduct is really who you are and how people can judge you. It's like if you're if you come in looking disheveled and you want to do some business, like no, like I like you you didn't even care enough to fucking groom yourself. Like how how am I going to trust you to handle my money or or whatever it is? The same thing with uh you know people that want to take the shortcut. I'm like if you just want to take the shortcut, like if like it, it, and I see this all the time in the fitness shit. You know where people want to tell you Oh, you know, get get ripped in 30 days. Here's a 21 day challenge. Here's this. Here's that. 
like that's how I can spot somebody immediately that just wants to make money off of fitness versus somebody that wants to help people get healthier because you don't get healthy in 30 days. Yeah. Like, like I quit drinking in January. Like it takes weeks and weeks and weeks for your liver to even recover from the amount of alcohol that I was putting in it. Like, like, and then I was able to start getting some of the benefits of not having those toxins in my body. Like, it's not something that you can cure just like that. Like you have to let things happen in the natural way. Cause you see people, you can lose a lot of weight really quick, like biggest loser style. One of the uh, contestants from the biggest loser, they asked her, how come they never do a reunion? And she said, because we're all fat again. We like, <laughs> like, because, because they try to take it. That, that show is literally a shortcut, you know, starve yourself, everybody. And let's lose 10 to 20 pounds a week because you're morbidly obese. And that's, that's not what your body wants to do. Your body wants to stay in a state of constancy. Your body likes to, you know, stay at an even keel. When you start tilting it one way or the other drastically, it wants to start balancing itself out and it'll try to balance itself out as quickly as you put it out of order. And like, that's what life is, you know, whether you're plankton or you're whoever did Dame Dash dirty that, 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 that he has to teach you these lessons. It's like, we all have to realize like the short road is the hard road really. But you have to choose the difficulty that you want. You either have to choose the difficulty that you can see or the unknown difficulty. And and nine times out of 10, the unknown difficulty is the one that you wish that you never even fucking, you know, tampered with because you thought it was easy. And it's like th th that shit made your is going to be the thing that makes your life 10 times harder. Yeah, the, the, the moral of the story is just come on down to the box line. I'll teach you how to be an adult. <laughs> so yeah, what, what Dave Dash said, or what's, what Shook Knight says, if you're tired of the CEOs dancing, it's like, I'll have my own Shook Knight's uh, speech. It's like, yo, I know you're tired of just being a bitch-ass nigga, feeling and everything. It's like, <laughs> come on down to the box line. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're tired of pulling up, it's like, just fucking feeling like shit every day, not knowing no direction in life, come on, join me on the box line. That's fair, cause I mean, like, like people need to to introduce some more difficulty into their lives, and then you would stop taking the shortcuts, like, like the box line. Like we joke about that shit, but, but like, I've observed how you've become a better person from working on the box line, like j just in the last couple of months, like, like going through that rigidity every day of. I have to get up at an hour that I don't want to get up to do some shit that I don't want to do, but it needs to get done. Like, like I've seen it firsthand, like that shit's made you a better person. So like, you know, we joke about the shit, but yeah, like whatever your box line is out there, y'all niggas need to find that shit. So, so, so that you don't have to bring dishonor to yourself. Yeah. Like, just out here, just out here doing it, whatever the fuck you want to do. Like, like life's funny, like life's a game. <laughs> so um, moving on, and th this is a perfect time to segue to animal behavior because, um, you know, this is exactly what we're talking about. This, this is what happens when you try to take a shortcut. So without further ado, animal behavior. Wow, like a zoo. Just a fuck. 
fucking animal. Bark like a dog, come on. We ain't nothing but mammals. What kind of animal smokes marijuana at his own confirmation? Bring out the animal. A thief taking a car for a joyride at a gas station in West Palm Beach gets more than he expected. A five-month-old baby in the back seat. Check this out. Well, I don't think he realized there was a baby in the car when he stole it. Michelle Ashby works for the gas station where the man is caught on camera struggling to get the carrier out of the back seat. He rushes to the door to get someone to take the baby. He just kept saying, take this baby, take this baby. He signaled the clerk to call police and places the baby on the gas station floor. You know, pure animal behavior, saw a car that wasn't his and said, I need to take that. And immediately he realized he bit off more than he could chew because there's a baby in the back seat. Like you, you thought you were stealing the car. You ended up stealing a baby. Now you're a kidnapper and you might be facing life. <laughs> like, like just because you wanted to take a shortcut in life. Like now it might not be that drastic, but you know, like that's what the consequences are when you take shortcuts. Like they might not be that drastic, but it usually doesn't work out well. And I, I don't know how much time he ended up getting. I, I hope he didn't get the kidnapping charge because he did. He was honorable enough to return the baby. Well, not return it, but he put it down. <laughs> but you know, you you can't you can't be doing that, people. Like, what the fuck is going on out here? You, you might need that extra time to learn your lesson for that kidnapping charge. Either way, like the baby was still out of place. It's like that nigga went to the fucking. I don't think that baby was there for that. <laughs> I think he drove off a little bit, like sent that baby somewhere else. So <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah, that, that's fair. Like if the baby isn't back where you got the baby from, that's definitely a kidnapping. Because like, anything could have happened to that baby. Yeah, yeah. like what the, the fuck was that nigga on? Like I, I can't imagine that shit though. It's like <laughs> that shit. See, but we talk about like, you know, karma and different things like that. It's like, you know, there's certain times, you know, it's just like. Like you said, he bit off a little bit more than he could choose. Like, you know. But there, there's some people, they're so far gone that, you know, they would have seen the baby. They would have kept going. And, you know, the, the, you hear horror stories about shit like that. So at, at least this guy had, like, had a, had at least that much sense. But I, I think this is just a warning of, you know, stay, stay, like, stay in your lane and, and wait your turn. Like, you, you'll get the car one day. Like, you just got to work for it. You can't steal it. That's all. I think you, I think you're not giving enough credit to the animals though, because there's a certain order to the animal kingdom that you know how it happens. That's why you know certain animals eat grass and other animals eat other animals. So I don't know if I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, but the, the animal animals. doesn't know that it's eating grass. It just knows. <laughs> it just does. It just goes. It flows. Yeah, that's it, order. It, it had it has a purpose and it fulfills right. its purpose. Human beings are the only things that think. We exist for our own purposes. That's why that guy jumped into the car and tried to steal it. Because he thought he should do some shit that he wanted to do. Animals don't steal shit. They just fulfill their purpose. And then they so die. Then, so, <laughs> then, so then this, this guy is actually worse than an animal then. Yeah, so, well, don't do that because then we got to <laughs> rename the segment. Like, <laughs> like, like. Like, because, like, fucked up people behavior doesn't have a ring to it, like animal behavior. You know so. what your problem is? You're too logical for your own fucking good. I'm making too much sense on the podcast, but my fault. I, 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 
This nigga explained himself into a fucking quarter. It's like, well, yeah, that's that's why I I throw jokes and shit in between <laughs> my clips, so you know to break it up. Like, like what killer priest say too much knowledge it'll break up the rhyme. So, <laughs> but, but my fault, people. Like, you know, let, let's let's bring it back to the surface level. Um, so moving on to music, and this is this is a a perfect way to to end off the episode. Uh, you know, talking about all of these ideas of growth and all of that type of stuff. Absol recently started dropping music again. I'm assuming the album is on the way. Um, and I'm one of the few people I think that have still been sticking around with Absol through his career. Like, you know, he had a spark when he started, then he had a few years of being garbage. And uh, now I think, you know, it sounds like he's in a better place from some of the stuff that he's saying lyrically in his music, but he's um he's putting out songs that are, you know, better structured, you know, have some decent hooks, some good production. It, well, you know, it's TDE production and, you know, the the uh the mixing and all that shit is always going to be top notch and the the videos and stuff that they put out are dope. Um and I kind of wanted to talk about it from two perspectives of one, you know, like that, that growth that you see in the artists of, you know, like artists are real people, like they're going through shit, like, especially somebody like soul who puts his life in his music, like, you know, it's been ups and downs these past 10 years. I've been listening to his music and TDE to their credit has kept him on the label, like, because we've seen other labels don't play that shit. Like, you know, when, when we were talking about this in pre-production, I brought up Pill because I was listening to Self-Made Volume 1 the other day. Pill is all over Self-Made Volume 1. Has some good verses, but Pill couldn't figure out how to, you know, make hits and some shit. You never heard from Pill again. Same thing with Stally. Like, you know, Rick Ross don't play. Like, he told you, like, you know, he can't even sign a female artist because he's going to have to fuck the artist. Like, he, he, <laughs> he, he needs, like, a little bit more out of his artists than than some of them are willing to produce. That's animal and, behavior. Yeah, that, yeah, that's animal behavior. That's animal behavior. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 so next week, we'll just bring animal behavior back to sex. But Because <laughs> obviously, that's what people can understand. But... um. But like, you know, like that's Ross's formula. Like if, if you're fucking up, like if, if you're not hitting the numbers, Ross would get, get rid of you. Where I don't know what TDE's accounting book says, but Absol doesn't sell the most records. And he even has has like has gotten made front of publicly by like Kendrick Lamar and Schoolboy Q for saying like, yeah, so like you're not eating with 15 minutes at a festival. Like, you know. Like, so obviously, like, the records aren't selling that much. Like, you know, Isaiah Rashad, before his last album, you know, he was saying how he was trying to make hits because he wanted to pay Top Dog back for the investment that he's put into him. So that's why, like, you know, there's, like, Lil Uzi features and shit on his last album, which is his last album's actually pretty good. Like, it got overshadowed by his whole, you know, coming out the closet controversy but uh, Isaiah Rashad, you know, made some dope mu music last year. A little sidebar. Like, with, with examples like that, you see, like, you know, that label, they really do care about, it seems, like, putting out quality projects from their artists. It doesn't always work. Like, you know, Mr. Moran, the Big Steppers, good example of that. Absol's last two albums, really good example of that. But they stick, they stick by these artists because, like, they sign them. 
I think when Top Dog and you know Punch or whoever makes the decisions over there, when they sign people, you you can tell like the artists that they're picking that they believe that they have something. Cause uh, like I don't think Schoolboy Q on paper ten years ago was looking like he was gonna have a long career in rap. Like he was like an obscure like yeah. hood nigga rapping about like you know sliding on the ops and shit like over some real grimy ass beats. Like I don't think you saw you know, the amount of hits and the tours and all that shit that he was going to be able to do like with the average eye, but somehow they were able to see that shit over there. So seeing Absol's music come back and be quality now and then giving him the opportunity to do that, I just thought that was something that, you know, should be highlighted. Yeah, I think that, you know, because we talk a lot about Top, you know, we might have to, uh, you know, give him his flowers in the aspect of, you know, his loyalty and like you said, just his belief in his artists because, you do listen to somebody like a schoolboy, he's so obscure, but schoolboy is art. You know what I mean? It's like the yob yob. And then like schoolboy even talked about like, I remember watching interviews where he's like, yo, I'll do a verse and I'll structure it, you know, 14 bars or 13 bars or whatever. You know, but that's just how he flows as an artist. It's like he's experimenting with it. And when you listen to a schoolboy project, you know, it feels like uh, uh, it, it's an experience, like it's an experiment almost. And like, that's kind of how, like, that's the great thing about, like, TDE, where you have, you know, all of those guys, they all have a different sound, and they all, you know, come with their own style, whereas, you know, we could play about certain other record labels who, you know, we will name, we will remain nameless, but, you know, it's like... No, no, name them. I don't owe them well, niggas money. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, the aspect of you'll listen to certain cats on, you know, the QC shit, like, we talk about, like, Lil Baby and... You know, Migos and all that, they rap over, you know, the similar beats and they use similar flows. Whereas, you know, you listen to the TDE guys, you got four or five guys, you know, in, in J-Rock, Absol, Kendrick and Q. They're all coming at it from different angles, different styles and different flows. So, you know, that's kind of like almost like the old school. Like They're doing it almost old school over there. You got all these different, you got these different raps who give you a different perspective. So you really got to respect TDE from that standpoint. Well, it's, it's interesting that you bring up QC because I think, at least from the outside looking in, I think QC cares about their artists like like in the same way that TDE cares about their artists because like I watched, you know, like a year ago. I don't know why I was watching. This, this was probably during <laughs> the pandemic. I was probably bored, but I was watching like they, they had like a little like documentary series like on the city girls, like when um, JT was getting out of jail and they were showing, they showed how, you know, the label and everything like, you know, supported her while she was in jail and like they curated like everything to get her ready for the release and to, you know, like keep the business of the city girls alive, like while she was in there. And like, of course that's their investment, but you see somebody like Bobby Schmurda. Bobby Schmurter was signed to a label and they didn't give a fuck about him while he was in jail. Like, I don't know where Young Thug's label's at. Like, you don't see them trying to get him out of jail. You don't see anybody right. trying to get Gunner out of jail or any of that type of shit. So um, I definitely think like those, those, those labels where it's being, where it's owned by somebody like a top dog or like a P and coach from QC and you know even rick ross even though he'll drop you with the quickness like i i think like those are going to be the labels where you're more likely to thrive if you're going to go to a label anyway because at least they understand 
you as a person, like where mm. you're coming from, because they're probably coming from the same background. Like Top Dog signed a bunch of people from the neighborhood that he's from and shit. So, or like, you know, surrounding areas, because now they got a lot of Cali artists. But it's like, I, I think like he has that ability to, like you're seeing it, like he has that ability to empathize with these dudes. So he's giving them an opportunity. It's like, I didn't just take you out of car. I didn't, he didn't just take, you know, Absol out of Carson to, you know, make him make one album. And if the shit flops, send him right back to Carson. And it's like, that's what it looks like from the outside looking in. Now the paperwork might be completely different, but all I can say is like, you know, as a listener and an observer of the industry, like, you know, it looks like they're doing good things over there. So, you know, shout out to them. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's just the principles of business. You know, like I was watching the Simpsons the other day and Mr. Burns had lost all his money. But, you know, Lisa had helped him, uh, you know, build a recycling plant. But at the end of the day, you know, Lisa is an overrighteous character. So certain aspects that Mr. Burns was doing, you know, he was taking, uh, you know, animals out of the sea and he was making something called slurry. And, you know, Lisa is like this vegetarian overrighteous character. She's just like, oh, no, you know, stop it, Mr. Burns. You're more evil now than ever. So Mr. Burns decided to sell the uh, recycling plant. And, you know, what he says to Lisa, he said, you know, as my advisor, you know, um, you're uh, entitled to 10% of it, you know, so like just that aspect of it, you know, certain businessmen, like you said, like, you know, goes back to what you always say, you know, universal law, <laughs> you know, it's like how certain, how, you know, long-term business strategy, you know, cert I think certain CEOs just kind of get it and, you know, you'll see them kind of survive a little bit longer as opposed to uh, other business models. So... With that said, I think what we've learned this week is that everybody out there should go home this week and watch Fences, SpongeBob, and The <laughs> Simpsons, and then all of your troubles will go away because <laughs> like they'll teach you everything you need to know about life. They'll teach you how to raise your kid, how to die, how to be honorable in business, and how to not, you know, you know, take the shortcuts. So like I, I'm happy with that. I, I think we should end there. Yeah, yeah. I'll be watching a lot of wild shit. It's like, how's this thing of watching The Simpsons and The Wire and all? This? It's like none of this shit makes any sense. So how, who is this guy? <laughs> but but see, like when you put that perspective on it, it's like you see, like you know, this, like what we're talking about. These ideas are very present in society. Like the like these you know, I call like universal laws, like these truths about life are so evident. That's why they're in these movies and TV shows and shit and why people have written about them in so many different formats or you can pick up pretty much any religious text for the most part and they all say the same thing. They like, the you know, the names of the people just change, the, the legends and the myths and all of that change, but they all say the same fucking thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you watch these, these shows and stuff, they're all saying the same thing. So- you know, we just try on this podcast to bring a little, you know, clarity to that and, yeah. you know, make you laugh and think and all that good shit. So hit the like, comment, subscribe, follow, you know, all that other stuff that my producer wants me to say. And next week, we'll be back for our all new episode of The Last Men Pod. And thanks for listening.